Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that you would teach us more of your truth, that you but help us to know, receive, and share more of your love in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Um, great to be back with you guys today. Um, I, I don't think you have to live very long in the world before you'll see uh, leaders who fall. Either they stumble in their responsibilities and their production or whatever it is, or they'll make a moral misstep or they'll do something. But we see lots of leaders that stumble in different kinds of ways. And that's actually what I want to talk about um, today in our sermon. We're doing this as we wrap up this four-week sermon series we've been doing where we've been looking at Jesus as a leader. And the premise of this whole series, if you haven't uh, watched these, you can get them back on our media center. But we've been looking at talking about Jesus, not just as a great moral teacher, not just as God inviting you into a loving relationship, but as the best leader the world has ever known and looking at him as a leader and what can we learn from him as a leader. And along with that, understanding that uh, if we look at leadership as influencing other people, that at some level we're all leaders. And so if we want to be better leaders, we can look at the best leader ever to learn something. So that's kind of where we've been going and, and working on this. And again, today we're going to talk about maybe some ways in which leaders mess things up. And this could be a whole sermon series. It could go on and on and on. I just want to pick three things for us to think about. And I want to coordinate those around the three temptations that Jesus experienced in the desert um, that Mother Mary read just a moment ago. And if you remember how this scene goes, this is uh, right before this takes place, what we, what we read, this is where Jesus has been baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, and that whole thing takes place. And then he, he's led by the Spirit off into the desert, and he gets these temptations. And before we start looking at those, I want to pause for a minute just to question whether this is a pattern that we oftentimes experience. I mean, like Jesus had a really good day when he's at the River Jordan. I mean, you've got John the Baptist looking up and saying, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then he has this Trinitarian moment where, you know, God the Son is going in the water, but then there's the Holy Spirit coming down on him and there's the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. It's just this really hugely great day in Jesus's life, and then immediately it goes to temptation. And there are many in the spiritual world who say this is the pattern. Anytime you have something really great happen, certainly anytime you have a mountaintop, it's going to be immediately followed by temptation. I used to work with a priest in London who would, who would say, it was a very spirit-led church, and he would talk about when people would receive some spiritual gift for the first time to be ready, because the next day, the first thing that's going to happen is, did that really happen? Did you really do that? And, you know, it was always going to be some kind of temptation that's following. And just thinking about that, that's just a quick aside, but maybe that's a pattern that we experience. Some people say another pattern is like Jesus here. Jesus is going to leave this episode and go off into public ministry. And some people say that right before you get new, a new level of leadership, you're going to experience a new wave of temptation that's taking place. I don't know. But this much I do know. I know the more you go as a leader— the more you're doing things that help the world and his kingdom work, I think the more you'll experience temptation. And again, this is a whole sermon series. I've actually done it once before on spiritual warfare. But I do believe that's one of the reasons why when we do prayers of the people, we pray for our leaders. Political, we pray for our leaders in the church. We pray because I think the more you're leaning into doing good, the more you're going to face various kinds of temptation. 
So with that, we turn to begin to look at these temptations that Jesus has and thinking about the kinds of temptations we might receive as leaders. And on this first one, I want you to imagine for a minute where Jesus is on this because he's been in the desert for a long time. He's not had anything to eat. He's obviously hungry, famished, probably weak, lonely. I certainly would be hangry. But that's when the, when the tempter comes to him. And the tempter uh, says to him, look, you see these stones right here? Why don't we change those into bread? And then you can feast. You can be satiated. You can have all the stuff that you want. And it's going to be really, really good. And Jesus' answer back to him is that one should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Like it's not about just the food and this stuff. It's about the bigger plan. But we might look at this for a minute and just pause, though, when we first hear that and say, what, what's wrong with this? I mean, is it wrong that Jesus is hungry? No. Um, is it wrong that he wants to eat? No. Does he have the power to change these stones into bread? He does. Well, what's the issue? I mean, what's going on with this? And I, th I think the answer to that has got to come back to all the, the mission of Jesus, everything he's been given is about service and about the sacrifice he's ulti ultimately going to make. And it's not about himself in some selfish way. It's not like if you've seen the movie with Jim Carrey with Bruce Almighty, where he takes all that power to use it for himself and all these different kinds of things. It's not that. He's being, he is modeling, showing, demonstrating, being called into servant leadership. He came to serve others. He says that explicitly. And it's not about him just using these powers for himself. It's about leaning into God's plan. I think another way we may look at this temptation then is to, is to begin to think, well, maybe I'm in a different category because I'm a leader. The rules don't apply to me in the same way. I should get what I want. I should be able to do it my way because I'm the guy in charge or whatever else it is. And, and it's, it's that selfishness that comes in. Somehow I'm above it all. And I think we don't have to, again, look very far before we see leaders that start to think about this. Either in the Bible, when we look at King David when he has his Bathsheba thing and all that, where he thinks somehow maybe the rules don't apply to him. Or we can look just in the last couple of weeks at Boris Johnson. And I'm not going to throw stones, but like if you know that whole thing, they're, I think they're calling it Partygate with the idea that they told the whole nation to lock in lockdown, don't get together, don't do any of this, and then he's throwing parties at 10 Downing Street. I'm not going to throw stones because I live in a glass house. But um, I do know this. I do, it's a temptation of leadership to think we're in a different category. It's a temptation of leadership at some point to turn it back to us and make it about something selfish for us. And I think it, oftentimes these kinds of temptations will center around whatever strengths you have. Because I don't know, we, you probably have never been tempted to change stones into bread because we're not able to do that. But whatever your strengths are, that's where your temptation may come. If you're, if you're somebody that's very articulate, who's a good speaker, you may try to, your temptation may be to dominate every conversation. Or if you're the person who's great at being persuasive, maybe your temptation is going to be to manipulate. Or if you're... An, a deep intellectual, maybe it's going to be your temptation to lord it over other, others and build yourself up at their expense by showing yourself as the, as the intellect, whatever it is, all these kinds of ways. But part of leadership and part of the servant leadership that the greatest leader modeled for us is being a servant leader, 
of being a leader for others. And that's part of what we have to hold to. And I know that a lot of the business leaders and community have figured this out, right? I know this. You can see lots of different examples of this. I think the, of the recent book and the last little bit, The, the Go-Giver, was on this point. It was about learning how to be a person that's giving. I know for me in my day job, I've worked with uh, coaches who've, who've always said, look, never, ever focus on trying to make more money, ever. If you want to focus on something, focus on trying how you're going to give more value to more clients. And what they're saying is, look, there's this leadership principle that it's always about others. You'll be rewarded secondarily, usually in things, but it's never about that. It's about serving others. It's about value for others. It's about giving this way. And it's never about it, just a selfish thing that we do. That's the first temptation that I'll hold up for us as leaders um, to think about. The, the second one that I want to think about today is a temptation of leadership where we get to a place where we, we take our leadership calling and roles and whatever we're in as a way to try to just gain prominence and approval from people. And you can think about this in the second temptation that Jesus experienced out in the desert. Um, he talks, it says it this way. The devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This whole temptation is about using the place of power and the place of leadership in a way to gain um, fame or notoriety or to impress or to show off or do all these things. I mean, I think about it, if you think about this temptation for a moment in modern terms and picture Jesus in Dallas, and maybe the tempter is going to come to him and say, let's go up to the tallest building in Dallas, which I think is the Plaza of the Americas at 900 something feet and throw yourself off. And we'll have the news crews there, by the way. And before you hit the bottom, the angels are going to catch you. And it's going to be a big show. And you're going to be famous. And everybody's going to know you're the son of God. And it's going to be like a super entertaining, super big deal, great program. And there's not going to be a doubt about this. And again, you might think about this. Well, people are going to praise him. What well, Kind of what's wrong with that? Like we know in the end, we hear lots of scripture that the whole universe is going to glorify him. That it's someday every knee is going to bow. The, all this is going to take place. So what, what's wrong with this? Well, I'm going to suggest a couple things. One, it's not the right time, the right way. And Jesus ultimately comes not to show off, but for his sacrifice and for his, the plan that God has for him to be glorified for what he does on the cross and for the resurrection and not because of, of a sideshow of fame, of being caught by the angels. And I think this in some ways comes very close to the first temptation we're looking at because the question comes back to us as leaders about whether you're going to live out the call and purpose you've been given in leadership or whether you're going to make it about you in a way to build yourself up with, with notoriety, with prominence, with showing off or with fame or, or these other kinds of things. And I think for us, if we're going to push back on that one, maybe the e easiest way to do that is to make it part of what we do as leaders to be deliberate in being humble and having humility. And I often think about this, a story, I've told this story before, but I've never told this angle on it, that um, I love this story that's written about when Henry Nouwen, 
the spiritual writer, first met Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And he, she goes on to give him these profound words, which I've repeated in a sermon before, which I won't do today, because I, I don't want to talk about what she said. I just want to talk about how they met. So he travels to Calcutta to meet her. And when he arrives, the, um, the Sisters of Charity, like whoever greets him, the receptionist, they say, why don't you wait for her? She's got all these things going on. Why don't you wait for her in the chapel? And so Henry Nowen goes to the chapel to pray. And he's in there praying for a while. And he says at some point he realizes he's been there praying. And he, he, at some point he kind of realizes there's somebody else in the chapel. And he looks around. And the woman who the Secretary General of the United Nations introduced as the most powerful woman in the world is just patiently sitting there waiting on him while he finishes his prayers. That's the model of humility. That's the kind of way. It's not about, it's not about the power. I mean, I'm sure she had a full schedule. I'm sure she had all these things going. She's just patiently waiting on Henry now and to finish his prayers instead of interrupting him and saying, let's go. It's about me and my schedule and whatever else it is. And I know this past weekend, um, I was thinking about this. I don't do this very often, but yesterday I felt a need, um, really a need to do some extra prayer. And I don't do this at home. Like I almost never do this. But I got down on my knees to pray. And I was just reminded of what, that posture and symbol of humility that there's something about that. And I look forward to a day when we'll have a place to kneel in here as part of our worship or wherever we're going to be at some point. But, but it's a great way to remind us and bring us back to this place um, of humility. The third um, and final um, temptation that leaders face that I want to talk about today is really ultimately the temptation of getting off course for what we're called to do. And when you look at this one, uh, let, me, let me read this final temptation that Jesus faced on this day. It says, this is Matthew 4, starting at 8. He says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him, and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. The, the tempter comes to him and is basically saying, I'll give you all the wealth that you want. I'll give you all everything if you'll just do this one little thing for me. Just worship me for a minute, just one time to do it. And we, read, we heard in our first reading today about how oftentimes it's the shiny thing, but it's often the wealth and money that pulls us off somewhere into the ditch. And the heart of this temptation, I think, is deeper than that because I think it's not just the shiny thing of wealth. It's whatever it is that pulls us off our course of what we're meant to be, who we're meant to be, the mission we're meant to live for God's purposes and for God's kingdom. Jesus' mission is to come and preach about the kingdom of God about God's love and mercy and grace and call to you to bring you into this place of love with him and to save us ultimately through his life, death, and resurrection. It's not to come and get wealthy. This is in temptation to go off course with what it is. And part of this then is to stay consistent. The leader's job is to stay consistently focused on the mission and the call that we have and that we've experienced. And there are lots of, you know, there are lots of examples I could give about companies who've lost their mission and go off and do some product they shouldn't have done and you know do all these different things if we can stay on task be clear about our mission and stay on task is part of what we're doing and i was looking at examples of this and I, and you know in dallas i'm convinced that the only kind of super bowl stuff we're going to be able to talk about 
we're going to have to go back to the 90s. So I want to give an example. Um, there was an interview that was done with Jimmy Johnson by New York Times reporter Tom Friends, and he asked him about the 93 Super Bowl, and he was asked, what did you tell the team before they took the field in the 93 Super Bowl? And Jimmy Johnson answered this way. He said, I, I told them that if I laid a, a two-by-four across the floor, everybody there would walk across it and not fall because our focus would be on walking the length of that board. But if I put that same board 10 stories high between two buildings, only a few would make it because the focus would be on falling. Johnson told his players not to focus on the crowd, the media, or the possibility of failing, but to focus on each play of the game as if it were a good practice session. And the Cowboys went on to win 52-7. to <laughs> That's all, that, all we can hold on to <laughs> for at least another year. <laughs> but this idea of having holding on to that kind of focus, not being distracted by all the shiny things, fear or failure or anything else. Jesus sets a remarkable, the best ever example for us in leadership in all these different categories. He models for us what it is to be a servant leader. He shows us what it is to have all the power in the world and to be humble and to wash feet. He's the one who models for us and shows us what it is to be completely focused on mission constantly. And all of this in the face of all the temptations that the world can throw out there. We're all going to face those kinds of temptations. But the more we can lead in, lean into Jesus' example, the stronger and better leaders that we're going to be. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you call us to partner with you in the ongoing work of creation and leading in for your good and your purposes, for your kingdom work. We ask that for each of us as we um, have influence on others that you would help us to be good leaders, that you would again and again show us the way that Jesus taught. And we pray this in his name and to his glory. Amen. Amen.